What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in as always. This week on the show, we have somebody that I've wanted to have on for many years and finally got around to it. His name's Remy Banks. And I've known that he was out working for a long time, but I didn't quite know the depth of how long and how hard he's been working. And uh, yeah, this was just really cool. Very easy conversation. I don't know. I really had a good time talking to Remy. He reminds me a lot of myself in that he's just someone that will kind of like, he's a maven. He's a mensch. He wants to look out for other people. If he likes you, he's going to check in on you um, and try to like, you know, throw opportunities your way and and um, connect people. He's a connector, I think. And I, I like to think of myself that way as well. Who knows? Maybe I'm just tooting my own horn. But yeah, had a good time talking to him. I think that you'll enjoy the conversation. Connected a lot of dots, talked a lot about scene history, which I always love. And uh, just an overall cool motherfucker. So that said, guys... We have a new president elect. They finally called it on Saturday. I'm glad that I didn't wait for uh, the results for the last intro or like try to make it on that Wednesday after the elections because we didn't know shit. We didn't know shit until Saturday. And finally on Saturday, they called it and I'm very happy. I am not fully elated as far as like, oh, thank God it's over. I'm I to an extent plugged my nose and voted for uh, Biden and Harris. I was voting more to get Trump out. I am always feel like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. But I will say, as soon as he was announced president-elect and he started putting out plans of stuff, like, he has an actual plan for COVID, which gave me spine tingles. It's so weird. Like, I read this political plan and was like, holy shit, there are actual guidelines here and an actual plan moving forward and not just chaos and saying it's going to disappear. And... You know, regardless of how problematic of a candidate he is and how much of a moderate he is, which I'm not a big fan of, and how I've heard rumors that he's going to have Republicans on his on his cabinet, et cetera, et cetera. I'm still like, wow, it's an actual politician with an actual plan. I fucks with that, you know, so for at least a couple of days, I'm just allowing myself to feel like, okay, good. This is good. And then I'm sure they will fuck up very soon and there will be more work to be done and people will be out on the streets again and that's fine too because that just means that democracy will continue to work oh man so yeah congrats to joe biden and kamala harris there's going to be a lot of having to correct older people who can't say the name kamala correctly i've had to do it already to a few relatives not going to name any names but uh yeah it's not kamala all right other big news on friday we had our ultrasound Mia's 18 weeks and we had an ultrasound and we found out the sex of the baby. It is a boy. We're having a boy. I'm not going to lie. We were hoping for a girl. Hopefully the boy never goes back and listens to this episode of the podcast. But yeah, we were hoping for a girl. We're ending up with a boy. We both kind of knew it was going to end up a boy. We got a lot of boys in this family. All my cousins are boys on my mom's side. You know, all the nephews have been boys. We just got a lot of boys. We wouldn't even know what to do with a girl, apparently. So the the sausage party continues. And uh, another boy in the Shaner family. If you guys have name suggestions that would that you think would be cool, feel free to DM me. 
I'm down to listen. Yeah, I, we're trying to think of like some cool off-kilter names, you know, trying to not trying to give this baby a boring ass name. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm excited, man. Mia's starting to show. Like my mom came here today cuz we're moving my grandmother into a into a uh I don't know, a, a facility, a, a home. I don't know. She's moving into like, you know, a, a community. That's what it is. She's moving into a community. She's 91, you know. Uh, so my mom's down here to help her move. And uh, immediately my mom was like, oh, my God, you're showing. Oh, my God. And, you know, we don't notice because it's just a little bit by every day. So we don't know if it's just like, oh, yeah, that's her. That's the baby. Or if it's like, oh, are you sure you don't just need to poop? Just kidding. Uh, she'd be mortified if she hears that. Luckily, she does not listen to podcasts. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. It's crazy. All right, so that's all the news that there is to give. So we're going to get into this episode with Remy Banks, Queens native, smooth New York dude. Love listening to him talk. Uh, it's one of those episodes where I didn't really have to do that much. I just add some color commentary, and he just kind of led the way through his life. And... I didn't realize the extent of which this dude is connected to everybody and how we've probably been in a bunch of the same rooms before and just never been introduced to each other or shaken hands. But yeah, I feel like I made a friend in this episode and I appreciate that. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode with my guy, Remy Banks. Yeah, rolling solo uh, was always so much more easy for me back when I was out and about just because, you know, you're not waiting on every, anybody if you want to leave the spot or whatever. It's way easier. That's my, that's literally my, I roll dolo, I meet up with the squad, but I roll solo just so I can, just like you said, make my exit whenever I want to make my exit. Yeah, that's it. I hate having to fucking hang around and wait for a ride or some shit. Nope, I'll be out. Yeah. You're back and forth a lot now, huh? Honestly, I I'm always in LA. How come? Um, my whole team is here. Like my publicist is out here, my agent is here, my former manager who's one of my best friends is out here. Yeah. A few of my other best friends and other musicians that I'm really cool with made the move out here, so yeah, I'm here a lot. What's keeping you from moving out here? My family. Really? Yeah. You got a lot of fam back in New York? Yep. And then also in the uh, in the Carolinas. Uh, is that where most of your family's from? Is Carolina? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. My family's from North Carolina, but then my grandmother moved up to New York when she was about seventeen. What for? She just wanted to get out the South. She was like, "I'm done with this, this boring life. I'm out of here." Big city girl. She moved up to New York, and my grandfather, and that was it. She had six kids. My mom was the baby. Out of the six. Did they meet in New York or they moved? They met in the Carolinas? They met in New York. New York. Oh, yeah, wow. What was your grandpa doing back, uh, when they met? I have no idea. But he looked like a really sharp fellow. He was wearing, I got this photo of him and my grandmother when they got married. Yeah. And like a few pictures of that prior to them getting married. And I was like, wow, he dresses sharp yeah. all the time. That's tight. You never met him or what? I met him, I met him when I was about 
I met him when I was like a baby, but I don't remember that. Yeah. But then I got reintroduced to him when I was about eight years old. And then uh, it was just a quick, brief, hey, how are you, da-da-da. Then I was out of there. Because my, my, grand, my grandmother remarried in like 80, I think it was 85. Right. Or 86. And... That's my grandfather, yeah. So uh, grandma has six kids? Mm-hmm. Wow. Six. So you got a big extended family, huh? Yep. Yeah, how many Extendo. cousins and shit? A lot. Family reunions just going off? Family reunions are crazy. We do one, we do them every, every four years, and then we do them in different destinations that we have family at. So like, this past family reunion was last summer. Uh-huh. It was in New York. The one before that was in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. The one before that was in South Carolina. Yeah. And the one before that was in Maryland. Yeah. So. And you guys are just like, spring break 99, motherfucker. It's crazy. It's crazy. Shirts made. It literally looks like Greek fest when we're in town. That's dope. So did all the aunts and uncles of yours stay in New York or did they spread out? Everybody was in New York. My Uncle Gary decided to move back down south. God bless his soul. He just passed in January. R.I.P. My Aunt Allie stayed in New York. My Aunt Clarice, my Aunt Cynthia stayed in New York. My Uncle Fred and my mom stayed in New York. And so everybody in Queens or what? Um, everybody in Queens. Yeah. My aunt Natalie was in Queensbridge. Yeah. My aunt Clarice, my aunt Cynthia, my mother were in Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. And my uncle Fred, he was in uh Creedmoor, which is a, men- a mental institution. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many cousins are close to your age? Did you grow up with your like did you have cousins for best friends growing up? Oh yeah. My yeah. cousin dad like I think the first grandkid was born in seventy nine. Uh-huh. And then two was born in 80, one was born in 85, and then it was a gap. And then it was me, my cousin Darius, my cousin Lawrence, and they called us the Three Musketeers, because, or the Three Stooges, because we're literally all born in July. What's your birthday? July 31st. Oh, mine's July 8th. Oh, snap. Yeah, yeah. July gang. I'm the 31st, Darius is the 24th, and Lawrence is the 27th. But we're all a year apart. And so you guys all just had the shared birthday parties Dog, every year. Every year. Ninja Turtles thing. Whatever that had something in multiples, yeah. that was the theme of the party. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I had a Ninja Turtles birthday party when I was a kid. <laughs> and a Simpsons birthday party. I had you, know? A, <laughs> you know? I had a Batman and a Simpsons birthday yeah, party. Yeah, you got the, the... I had a big Simpsons cake with the eyes bugging out and shit. It was tight. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah, what's it like growing up in, in Queens? Hmm. Growing up in Queens, honestly, I feel like we get the best of the city. Yeah. Because we get all ethnicities. Both of the airports are in Queens. Yeah. We have the best food. It's also spread out. So you get your metropolis the closer you get to Manhattan. Yeah. But then you also get your spread out living. Yeah. And that's where I am. I was going to say, like, when I, I haven't been to New York a ton, don't get me wrong, but I've been enough times to where when I leave the airport and I'm in Queens, yeah, it feels like a little more suburban. Like, people have their own little space, you know yep, what I mean? spread out. Yeah. But that's how it is everywhere outside of Manhattan. Right. That's literally how it is everywhere outside of Manhattan. But the closer you get to Manhattan, the more city it is in each borough. But then the further you get away from Manhattan, the more spread out. The more open it is, the more housing. You, I mean, like, you'll see houses in backyards and stuff like that. Yeah, right, right. What kind of stuff were you guys getting into as your kids in New York? <sighs> well, 
My cousin told me, oh, y'all got it easy. Y'all don't know what I had to go through in the 80s, da 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 Yeah, New York like, was wild in the 80s. He was like, we couldn't be outside after sundown. It was a shootout every night on the block. And I'm over here like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> he was like, matter of fact, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. You li- You were a baby in the tail end of all of this shit, so you may not remember, but it was a lot of wild shit that happened around you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But growing up in New York, when I grew up, it was dope because we, my era, we caught the tail end of the 90s. So like 90, what, like 94, 95, 96, I was like, I was in elementary school. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm listening to all the good music. Right. Everything at that time was coming out of New York. Everything that was coming out of New York was hot. I mean, that's like the golden era, right? There. It was like, the golden era. Yeah, so I'm it. like literally in the middle of it as a kid in elementary school, loving life. I'm outside riding my bike thinking I was in, we used to call ourselves the Rough Riders. Hell yeah. Uh, like me and my crew. Uh, <laughs> your like BMX yo, drinks. yo, my little BMX crew. We was like really, we thought we was DMXing them. You know what I mean? That's so amazing. like, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like growing up in New York was was dope, and also it was pre social media. Yeah. So like, you really had to be outside. Yeah. Like you had to be outside. But then, once the internet happened, like when I got to sixth, like what was it like? Once I got to junior high, AOL started to get popular, and then like the, the uh, well actually AOL was out already, but I was just too young to fuck with it. Right, right. But then once when I got old enough to fuck with it, the chat room started happening. Yep. Then like the ASL oh, or yeah. <laughs> the, I would jump into these chat rooms where people were battling, like rap battling. Yeah, key styling. Dog. Yeah. Key styling. I like that. I like that phrase. Yeah, that's what we used to call it on internet forums back in the day. Like, oh, people be having key style battles. I was one of those kids. Yeah. I was like 11 years old. Get out. Writing all these crazy rhymes about killing people and putting slugs in motherfuckers. Yeah. When I really wasn't doing that at all. Right. It was funny. That is funny. You know, I grew up way out in the sticks. And so I've always kind of like idealized... New York, uh, I, like when I go to New York and I see a little kid walking down the street with their parents, I'm like, that is the luckiest little kid <laughs> in the world that he's getting to grow up in this big city and experience all these things. So I always wonder about the amount of freedom you guys had as kids. Like, were you getting to, um, like, when you say you're out riding your bikes and stuff, could you guys hop on a train and go to a, go somewhere else if you so wanted to? So the thing is, yeah, the freedom in New York was there because, like, I feel like, um. How can I explain it? I know you've seen Peyton Full before. Yeah. So that scene where Rich Porter's um, brother gets kidnapped yeah, and right, then right. the whole finger situation, that really happened. And I feel like that sent like a shock in the urban community. Like, yo, you like, you know, you got to keep it close. Keep your kids close. Yeah. Keep an eye out. Because I feel like back then the kids were really out. Like I heard 42nd Street was like, the place to be like kids right. were like 10 years old yeah you hear on people, 42nd street playing arcades i was like watching what? kung fu movies and shit like when you hear old wu-tang stories you know yo, like, i was like yo i can never imagine myself at 10 years old on 42nd street right. especially in that era of new york like right. it was just insane yeah it was grimy, so huh? it was way grimier and then uh i guess you could say when i got older shit started like clinton was in office 
Giuliani was the mayor of New York. So, like, shit was a little bit safer, but it was still free. And now, in hindsight, though, we hear about Giuliani's policies back then of, like, stop and Dog, frisk. that and shit was nuts. So, like, was it really safer for a black teenager at that time, or was it— Nope. Like, yeah, that's But the I'm thing saying. is, I was a kid, so I wasn't getting frisked by the cops. You right, know, I was, okay. like, six, seven. Okay, so you missed that era. I missed that era. But my older cousins and stuff, that tunnel—that was the tunnel era. Oh, yeah. So my older cousin was, you know— in bookings almost every week. I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, he'll go out Friday night, come back Monday. I'm like, you good? He's wearing the same shit he wore out. And then he's like, yeah, he got locked up, da 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 I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm a kid. Like, what the hell? You were in jail for, for, for the weekend? Right. Like, what? I didn't know what Central Bookings were. Are they um passing down wisdom to you on some, like, here's oh, hell what you got to yeah. watch out for? Oh, something? hell yeah. A lot of knowledge, a lot of musical knowledge, a lot of street knowledge, like just everything. So I feel like I was living as a young adult as a kid mm-hmm. because I knew about a lot of shit, like from sex to what drugs were to a lot of different things. So I knew what to, you know, what not to do, what to do. Focus on schoolwork was the main priority, your schoolwork. That's really? it. Yep. Schoolwork. That's it. So did you focus on schoolwork then? No. <laughs> I was playing video games and I was focused on basketball and sports and stuff. I hated school. Of course. I hated school. Just like everybody else, I'm sure. But school was just like, why do I have to sit here all day to listen to somebody tell me something that I've been reading in encyclopedias since I was... So you were an avid reader as a little kid? Man, I used to read encyclopedias at my crib, too. I feel like that's a real 90s thing. Like It is. Every parent in the 80s bought a fucking encyclopedia series. It to, must to have like, been a sale on it them. Was, it, well, I, I think they used to door-to-door. <laughs> literally, they used to door-to-door and, and or like advertise them on TV. And I feel like it was a flex uh, for young parents to buy those, you know? Like, yeah, we got this crazy Britannica. Right. And so our, my entire bookshelf at the house was just a fucking encyclopedia series. So I would just open it to random chapters and shit. <laughs> is that what you were on? That's what, that was exactly what I was on yeah. or especially whenever I had to do a, like a project or some shit the flag section was my favorite though like looking at the different flags from oh, different countries yeah, I got you I got and you, then yeah. going to look for the country and reading about the country that was my favorite thing to do that's right and then shit in Queens you probably see some of those flags hanging from a porch everywhere yeah. you see like I'm telling you that's the best part about growing up in Queens like I said all the different ethnicities yeah I'll wait until you my bad no you're good bro I just gotta get myself right. Get them guts out. It's been a, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. All right, we good. Is the is the weed culture in New York different than in California? Oh hell yeah! Can you walk into stores there and buy it yet, or no? No. Nope. It is. My bad. It is. It is not legal yet. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was. I thought it was like progressive in that. The front. thing is, we have dispensaries, but it's only for um, concentrate. So, like, medicinal purposes, like, there's no flower. There's no legal flower. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. So, I'm like, mm, there's something. It's, it's, I feel like it's about to be legal, though, because yeah. all these different shops are open. Like, there's a MedMen on Fifth Avenue. Oh, yeah. They know something that we don't know. Yeah. You know what I it's mean? It's just not open yet, but it's, like, there? It's open. Oh. But they, they only sell oils and merch. Okay. I imagine growing up in New York, like you said, you grow up fast. Grow very fast. <laughs> I didn't smoke my first blunt until I was fifteen. Uh, when did you smoke? Your I first got you blunt? about two years. Oh, I was yeah. thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, he this fool's gonna say like eleven or something. Nah, I, was you know, I, I, I smoke dog. How many smokes is out? Sip. Yeah. 
know, I grew up watching that fucking movie Kids and you would see those little wild out New York motherfuckers. Like. So Kids is really what I, yo, honestly, my my cousin and I was talking about that yeah. used to get locked up. So that was his era. Yeah. Him being a teenager, all those kids, like he was that age. Yeah. So when that movie came out, they watched that shit in the living room of my aunt's crib and I'm like, what are y'all watching? And then my aunt's like, go in the damn room. You you do not need to be watching whatever they're watching. So I was fascinated. I had to watch that movie. And my friend Terrence, I ended up spending the night at his crib one weekend. His older brothers were watching it, but his mom didn't care. Oh, yeah. So we watched kids, and I was blown away by the violence and the skateboarding. I didn't even register what, everything else that was going on, like the whole STD factor of it, yeah. the whole just living reckless. I didn't care about the that. The themes of it. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is like... This is crazy. They're fighting. They're having sex. Because I was seven years old when I seen it. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, wow, they're skating. They're fighting. That's it. But then I rewatched it at 13, yeah. and I was like... Oh, you wow. realize the morals of it. Like this is this is yeah this is a great film. So seeing that movie, you skate now, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's like that movie literally put me on to like I wouldn't even say life, but it put me on to a whole subculture outside of gangster shit, right? Because that's the shit I grew up on. Like I like my dad was a hustler. My stepfathers were hustlers. Like. That's the shit I grew up on. Mm-hmm. They listened to Biggie. They listened to a lot of Wu-Tang, a lot of Nas. They listened to that sort of shit. Right. So I didn't know that there was like, you know, a, an alternative side of that. Mm-hmm. And I got exposed to that by watching kids. When you see that, do you instantly go to your dad or your mom and be like, I need a skateboard? Well, I didn't ask for a skateboard until years after that. Yeah. And this is the, the response that I got. Yeah. Oh, you want to be on that white boy shit? And I was just like, uh, there's black people that do it too. Look at, is this guy named Kareem Campbell. And my mom was like, Kareem who? Yeah. And I was like, Kareem Campbell. And there's this other guy, Keenan Milton. And she was just like, I don't know who they are, but if you want a skateboard, I'll get you one. And then that was it. I've been skating since. What was your first deck? It was this KB Toys board and... It was these dudes skating around my way that were dope, these Polish kids. And one of them was skating this little, like, mani pad. And I was like, yo, can you teach me how to ollie? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. So he takes my board. He's like, this is where you position your feet. He pops a ollie, he comes down, and he breaks the trucks. So I'm like, damn. And then he's like, yo, my bad. But that goes to show you need a real skateboard. This shit right. is cheap. The KB Toys joints had like uh, plastic, plastic. Trucks, didn't t- they? Yeah, it was like like some weird, yeah, fake metal. Right. But that shit ripped right out the base, and I was like, damn, bro. So I was like, mom, I need a new board. We went to Target. I got this X Games board that had like you know a little bit more official shit. Yeah. But I was like, nah, this ain't it. Then I got my first birdhouse, my first complete. She was just doing anything to keep you out of the actual skate shop. She's yep, like, oh, she was we'll just like, to, nah. We'll Target, not a skate shop. He's not going to no skate shop. He's not fully converting. I guess she thought I was going to try to perm my hair <laughs> and get one of these fucking crazy haircuts or some shit like that. Get get a mohawk or some shit. 
And so what, you end up with a birdhouse board? Is that because of Tony Hawk on PlayStation? Uh, well, I actually watched him do the 900 oh, so on I remember, TV. I mean, that was an epic so game, that, man. So that's what made me, got me into skateboard. I, like, I used to watch the X Games all the time, but yeah. it was more so, I thought Inline was cool. Yeah. Because that shit, inline skating was the thing in the night. It in really the 90s. was. People try to deny that now, but that, nah, that shit had a real moment. Inline was it. Like, I don't give a fuck what 90, anybody says. 93 to 96 or something. Inline, inline had was a moment. It. Yeah. Inline skating was it. It was cooler than skateboarding. I don't care what nobody says. Wow, that's a bold statement. It was, at one point, inline skating was cooler than skateboarding yeah. to the world. Right. Yeah, because it was yeah, international. Yeah, I don't care. What, it was too. international. Yeah. You had uh, this movie called Airborne. I remember Airborne. That was my shit. With Seth used, Green, bro. Yo, yep. Yeah. Wiley, Cousin Wiley. <laughs> cousin Wiley. I used to watch that shit on HBO all day when you're, I was a kid. You're about to have me exposing myself, but yeah, nah. I used to inline skate a little bit right before I got my license, bro. And okay. I, I've been very ashamed to admit that most of my life, but yeah. I, I mean, was never good. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Inline, yeah, inline was it, but I just never really... I never wanted to do tricks on skates because I just always thought that, yo, if you land wrong, your ankle is is, is out of here. Yeah, You're out of here. Right, right. But, I mean, fuck, skating, skateboarding is just as bad just with ankle Just as bad, yeah. Hell yeah, if not worse. I found that out the hard way. Yeah. With the uh, skateboarding ankle shit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I found that out the hard way. But you probably had infinite rolled ankles. Infinite, infinite. And I even got, I, I got permanent limp, uh, shin lumps and shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, inline, inline was it. It was it. It That's just wasn't for me. Yeah. Skateboarding was for me though. And I saw Tony Hawk do that 900, and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm I'm getting into the skateboard shit. So how long is it until skateboarding becomes like one of your main passions? Is it pretty instantaneously after that? KB Toy Stores or uh, Toy Store board? Uh, actually, after the 900. Uh, Rockstar came out with this game called Thrasher Skate and Destroy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fell in love with that game because it was like the real first you could uh, create a player. Yeah. And it had like DC shoes in there, DVS. Uh, it had like companies in there where you can customize your characters. So I was like, oh, shit. And the soundtrack was incredible. Yeah. It had the Brooklyn Banks in there. It had like real like street, like spots in there and I was like yo this game is tight yeah then another game came out called Street Skater yeah so I was like oh nah like I feel like all the signs were just aligning like I'm I'm into this shit but now all this other cool skateboarding shit is coming out uh-huh. it's telling me to skate I gotta go skate and I was completely obsessed like completely obsessed everything I did was revolving around skateboarding what age is this about? Like junior this was high, 12, middle school? 12, 12 so like, 13. Yeah, like 6th, 7th grade. That's the time, man. I was obsessed. You couldn't, I used to, like, you know, New York, we don't have lock, like locker rooms and shit like that. Or or we don't have a locker, put it that way. At your like, school. Yeah, yeah. Like, you remember, like, I would watch Clueless. They'll get to school. They got their own locker. We didn't have that. Yeah. So I would have to walk around with my skateboard all day. In class. In class. Wow. And then the teachers were like, you can't do that. So I'll be like, well, I got to skate to school. And they're like, no, you don't. You can walk to school. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah, I got to skate. So I guess they ended up just letting me rock. Yeah. So they were like, uh, he's not harming nobody with it. At that point, when you become obsessed with skating, do the people that you're hanging around with change? Do you find like a different group Definitely of Definitely start changing yeah. because uh, they all... 
were heavily into basketball, as was I, but I was the skateboarding was my thing too. Yeah. Off season in basketball, I'm skating. They're like, Oh, all right, go do your whiteboard shit. Yeah. So I'll be like, all right, cool, I'm gonna go do my whiteboard shit. <laughs> and who would you do it with though? So my boy Jose, who lived down the hall from me, he was a he was a rollerblader. Mm-hmm. My other boy Bruce, he was a rollerblader. This kid Urian and this kid Bargo, they were rollerbladers. So you're the only skateboarder. I was the, in the only group? skateboarder in a crew of rollerbladers. Wow! And were any of them black? They were, yeah. They were oh, okay. all black and Spanish. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and uh, Bargo was uh, Indian. Bruce was Filipino. Jose's Puerto Rican, and Urian is uh, black. He's Haitian. Okay, yeah. And I was the only skater, skateboarder. Yeah. So we would be out all night, like just skating at Flushing Meadows. And went from Flushing Meadows to sneaking out to different parts of Queens to go skate and shit like that. Right. And then um, my boy Ryan, he was like, yo, I want to start skating. And I was like, perfect. Let's get it. And that became my road dog. So I kind of like broke off from the, from the rollerblading crew. And, and it was just me crew. and my boy. And then we built our skate crew. Yeah. Did you Do you get, mind if I smoke again? Nah, go ahead. All right, cool. Did you get good quick? Or did it take nah, it, t- it took a little while. Yeah. I was like ollieing and 180ing for like a good year and a half. And then once I learned how to kickflip, it was over. It was over. Kickflips. Then I'm like, all right. Pop, shove it. Kickflip, shove it. That's a varial flip. Boom. Then I just started basically doing math with the shit. Yeah. Like just piecing tricks together. Then I started just skating flat ground. And then I was like, mm. I tried to skate stairs, and then I started going from one stair to two stair to three stair to four stairs. Yeah. Then I think when I was 12, the most stairs I ollie was a six set uh-huh. right across the street from the school, and everybody's like, yo, you're fucking doing it. Yeah. It, w- it was lit. That's like your first little moment of fame was the six yep, stair? the six stair, okay. and, and the whole school sort. Oh, So wow. it was like everybody was like, oh, this nigga's really doing it. Yeah. <laughs> So at that point, does skating start taking you more around the city? Or did you still stay in Queens most of the time? I was still stuck in Queens. I couldn't... uh, I knew how to take the train. Yeah. But I knew my mom would kick my ass if she found out I hopped on the train by myself. I got you. So I was just local. But then once I got to... I think it was... Yeah, the summer of eighth grade. Going into ninth grade... There was this skate shop that opened downtown called ABC. Yeah. At this time, there was also this, like, resurgence of New York's, of, like, underground New York skaters. And this dude named Brian was filming. He was, like, I guess he would call people, like, yo, let's go have a session Saturday at this time. All these New York skaters would come out. He's filming all these clips of everybody, and then every week he'll edit a new montage that has all the dope skaters in New York featured in it. Yeah. So he low-key made a platform for skaters, I guess I guess you could say like 99 to like 2003, 2004. Yeah. He was the filmer for most of the new uh, skaters in New York. Yeah. And so you started getting clips? I wasn't getting clips, but that, like, I would be on that site religiously. Yeah, why? It was called Metrospective. Okay, yeah. So I was getting hip to all the local skaters that I was seeing, you know, in my area. But then I'm like, yo, oh, shit, that's perfect example. This kid named Danny Fowler. He was incredible. I thought he was, like, 
a god in my eyes. I was like, yo, Danny Fowler. It was this other dude named Gio Moya who is like, he's like a legend because, you know, everybody knows him from Supreme. Yeah, yeah. But um, who else? This kid named Karel Roach. This dude Switch Mike. It was like a whole, it was like a clique of dudes that was dope. And I'm like, yo, these dudes are ill. And I like literally wanted to emulate that. Like, yo, I want to be around these guys. Like, oh, if I skate around these guys, I get good enough, I'll get sponsored. Right. So I was heavily inspired by those dudes. So I was like, all right, I got to get nice, get my click. We're going to go to the city and start, you know, shredding. And I met this kid, Louis Tolentino, who was like two years older than me. But he was like way advanced for his age. He was like a Ryan Sheckler type. Like people were talking about him, but he was like, yo, who's this little kid with all this pop? Yeah. He was in my crew. Oh, wow. Like we were like cool as hell. Like that was my dog. And once he started getting crazier, then that's when I, it was like we all had to get nice. Because you got to just keep up. Yep. And then like the click just got bigger because we got cool with these other dudes. They were called Flip Mode, but now they've evolved into this shit called Bronze. Okay. It was like a giant click and every Saturday we would go skate the city and this is like I think it, yeah that had to have been either the summer of my 8th grade going into ninth grade yeah it was that it was summer of 02's yeah so that was my 8th grade going into ninth grade I had lied to my mom I was like oh, I'm gonna go skate at Flushing but I knew how to take the train to the city Yeah. so I would take the R train I didn't know there was a such thing as an express train Yeah. so I took the R train local uh-huh. From my hood all the way to 14th Street. It's really about a 20-minute train ride. Yeah, but it takes like 65 minutes. But it took an hour yeah. because I took local. Yeah, yeah. But I get Stopping there. Stopping at every fucking stop. Every stop. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what is... Thinking back, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. But I guess I was like, nope, I got to be safe. Yeah, yeah. This is the route. I got to be safe. Well, and to be fair, I mean, that's like before smartphones and shit. Like, yep. let me tell you, the first time I visited New York as an adult, it was pre-smartphone. MapQuest. I was lost all the motherfucking time. I, <laughs> I would be the kook on the corner asking people like, hey, excuse me, man, I'm not from New York. Can you tell me which train I would hop on to get here? And people would be helpful. But now it's like you could go there and look like a pro just with your phone and get, get wherever, man. It's easy now. They got it easy. Yeah, for real. But back then, I mean, you shit, that's probably a way that you could learn the city was just by taking the local trains yep that's literally how i got this know the city by taking the train since yeah. young figure out the geography and shit but i used to skate the t well Tompkins square yeah that was like the closest park to that shop abc so i would go to abc say hi to everybody and be like oh what up a little random little kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i'll go to the tf which is Tompkins square and skate that's like a world famous spot yeah dog i remember danny super pulled up and he was wearing SBs. Yeah. But this is before SB was a it was like a thing. Right. And he had these Nick Colorway dunks. Ooh. I've never seen dunks with a fat tongue. And I knew fat tongue meant they were meant for skating. skating. Yeah. So I'm looking at like literally looking at shoes and I'm like, yo, Nike makes skate shoes? And then he goes, Shh. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Then they dropped this ad this like whole little ad campaign called uh my first sponsor and i was like yo nike has a skateboard team this is crazy fast forward to me in high school yeah sb is a thing yeah huge and i was skating this this shoe called eqs those are my favorite 
skate shoe ever. Nike, please bring those back. Uh-huh. Did it illus. Around that time, skating becomes life, clearly, and you got your crew, and are you guys getting um, some notoriety in the city? And the reason that I ask you that is because I've known about you uh, in, in in the peripheral for probably, I don't know, five or six years, I would, I would guess, and just what, my first introduction to you, my assumption was like, oh, this is like a cool ass skate dude who's linked up with everybody in New York like he's that dude you feel me yeah is that pretty close uh that's very close that's very close that's very close <laughs> yeah yeah like you look like a kid where you walk in the supreme store and people dap you up rather than like yeah. sh- shrug at you you yeah. feel me yeah. or if it is a line yeah you're at the front come on in yo come in yeah, yeah. okay yeah but it's because of me I feel like my relationships like that started to come about because I was very young going to, like I said, I was young as hell going to Manhattan when I was in junior high. When I was in eighth grade, I used to cut school a lot. Mm-hmm. Me and my boy Brian, we used to cut, go to Nike Town, go to NBA store. Like we literally used to walk to the train station, mm-hmm. uh, get on the V train or the E to Fifth Ave. Go to Nike Town, browse, walk down in the NBA store, browse, and then get right back on the train, head to uh, Corona or Jackson Heights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get off at Junction. And it was a store called uh, Junction Sport. Mm-hmm. We'll go there and see what Jordan's there about to drop early. Then we'll go to the store called All the Right, which was like a, they had everything in it. Like you could buy markers there. You could buy spray spray right, paint. You right. could buy mixtapes. You could buy smack DVDs. This is like, like uh, in LA. We had the equivalent of that was Workman, and uh, you could go there and yeah, buy all the same shit. You buy the the best new underground rap or the mm. fucking you know the the illest like underground T shirt company, et cetera, et cetera, or markers, graffiti shit, skate shit, whatever. Yeah, that was all the right. So it sounds like you're involved in kind of like early streetwear shit. Like I was involved with a lot of shit because. Um, I was always obsessed with being your own individual. Yeah. So, like, I would see certain things. I'd be like, yo, that shit is tight. Even though nobody else that I knew would fuck with it. Yeah. If I thought it was tight, I was fucking with it. Right. And I was going for it. So, with the skateboarding shit came more exposure to other shit, like different brands, like Spitfire, Bird I was wearing Baker hoodies to school in seventh grade. Yeah. People were like, what the fuck is Baker? I'm wearing Spitfire tees. I'm wearing Birdhouse tees. Like, people are like, what? Do you, what? But with Jordans. Uh, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people are like, what do you, like, what? what is this? Yeah. So that was me in junior high. Then once I got to high school, I kind of took a break from the skating shit because I was playing ball more. Oh, so you, you picked basketball back up? Yeah. Yeah. And junior year. What are you, a shooting guard? I was a point. Point? Yeah. yeah. I was in class, I was in English class, and uh, this kid that I went from elementary through junior high school with happened to get transferred to my English class. And he was like, yo, how you been, da-da-da? I'm like, oh, I'm good. He's like, yo, you still be skating? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I be skating from time to time. Yeah. Then this kid overheard. He turns around, and he's like, you skate? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you don't skate. I'm like, yes, the fuck I do. And he's like, dog, you're wearing bapes? You got a Kooji sweater on. Like, you don't skate. Yeah. I was like, dog, I skate. And he was like, all right, bet. If you skate, meet me at the Globe after school today at like 4.30. Me and my boy, too, is going to be there skating. Meet us. Yeah. 
So I was like, all right, cool. Forgetting that that day was the final tryout for varsity. No. And the coach was like, yo, you have to come to every tryout. I completely forgot about that shit. That's it, because you had to prove to somebody that you could kickflip. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, no, nah, I'm nice. Like, I'm nice. Yeah. Like, you you don't know what you're talking about. I got about. tricks, yeah. So I went home, changed clothes, Yeah. went right over to the Globe, yo, and homie was like, this kid Peter is there with his boy. He was like, oh, shit, you pulled up. And I was like, yeah, let's play skate. Yeah. He beat my ass. All right. But he was like, oh, shit, you actually really do skate. This is crazy. And then from then on... I didn't make the team. So me and this kid started, he he was like, yo, let's skate. So we started skating a lot. And then he knew that kid, Lewis, that I knew. Yeah. And then, like, I, the clicks just started merging. And then it became an every Saturday thing where we would go skate the city from Midtown to Downtown back up and then go back to Queens. Because yeah. most of the squad was from Queens or from Long Island. Yeah. So those kids were taking the LRRR back home. And then we were just taking the trains back home. And so did you guys start gaining some notoriety around the city? Oh, yeah, because especially because some of the kids in the crew, so like the dudes from Long Island, they were called Flip Mode. Yeah, yeah. It was this dude named Billy Lynch that was in their crew yeah. who was fucking nice. Yeah. He was nice. This kid named Josh Velez, who's nice as hell, too. Him and Billy were like this. Who else was in? Oh, this kid Pedro that was in their crew. They was ni- he was nice as hell, too, but it was this kid named Derek. Yeah. This Polish kid. I literally was just like, man, this kid is going to be the, the the one from New York. Yeah. Like, he had stair tricks, rail tricks, ledge tricks. Like, he was just insane. Then my crew, we just had Lewis. But Lewis was, like, extremely popular, too. Yeah. So people knew about the—they knew about our clique. They knew about us. Right. People knew about especially the older cast. They knew about us, too. But— like, shit just started to just get real once we got older because a lot of companies started having parties in the city yeah. for, like, events. Yep. And then we'll pull up and be like, oh, that's Lewis and his crew. Oh, that's uh, Billy and his, oh, that's the Flip Mode kids. Right. So, like, we would all be at all these crazy parties, you know what I mean, with all these pro skaters and shit like that. Yeah. So people knew of us. Right, because at a certain point, is like when you got a crew like that, and you roll up to the party, that kind of makes the party official. Exactly. Like, oh, the locals are here. They're here, yep. The young cast is here. Yeah. The other, the older locals are here, too. Like, yeah. the New York legends are here. All right, so it's lit. Yeah, right, right. And so when do you start rapping? I've just always been rapping? I've always been rapping since I was a kid. Yeah, of Like, course. my cousin Darius, actually, <laughs> he's, he's a year younger than me. I don't know what it was where one day he was just, he was like, yo, I wrote this rap. And he rapped it for me. He was like, you should write one too. So I wrote a rap. And I kept saying that shit all day at school. Then I was like, yo, this is pretty cool. So I kept writing little, like, just kitty raps. Mm -hmm. But I never recorded anything. I never did nothing with it. Then when I got to uh, junior high school, sixth grade, I started writing again. Because my cousin got a microphone. He had a computer set up. So we would record just little Fun little raps, but we, like I said, never did nothing with them. Mm -hmm. Then when I got to, uh, it was a junior year, I was at my boy Ryan's crib. We would just be rapping, like rapping. I was writing raps. I'm rapping over still tipping, Mm -hmm. like like mad instrumentals. I was rapping. I still actually got all these joints on my computer. It's mad funny. My rap name was Young Banks back then. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, get off Lloyd Banks' dick. (laughs) So I was like, all right, you know what? 
Y'all don't even know this is my, my government. Name, Y'all yeah, don't even yeah. know, man, but I didn't rap seriously. You know, it was just a hobby. Yeah. But then, like, you know, some people knew that I did it, and then they started talking about it to the rappers in school. Yeah, It was this crew called Loose Cannons. They were basically like the Lost Boys to me because they were all from Southside, Jamaica. And the leader of their rap crew was this, like, hood-ass dude that was LB. Uh-huh. He was Lost Boys. Yeah, this yeah. dude named uh, Pat. Their crew was like, remember Eight Mile? Yeah. How Papa Doc had the crew, and they all had everybody had to battle B Rabbit. He had to battle everybody to get to Papa Doc. Yeah. That's how Loose Cannons was. Yeah. And my first introduction to them was it was a school dance. It was like the fall dance. It was so it was like the first dance. My first yeah, it was my sophomore year first dance in that in the high school. They had a. A rap battle. The winner of the battle got Black Album as the prize. Yeah. And this was right before this was before Black Album dropped. So I guess it was like a week prior to it dropping. Yeah. And Cody Beware, who's in World's Fair. Uh-huh. This is my first time ever seeing Cody as well. I'm like, who is this cat with long ass, this Puerto Rican cat with long ass braids? Yeah. On his lonesome, demolishing everybody in the crew. Right. And then he gets to the final, the final boss, <laughs> and Cody kills him, but he got disqualified because he cursed. Oh no! I was just in the back, just watching everything. I was just literally watching, observing everything. So I was like, "All right, these are the rappers in the school." I still didn't tell nobody I rap. And then one day, this kid from the crew, Loose Cannons, came up to me in the cafeteria. Was like, "So what's up? When you gonna rap? I heard you rap." I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, you either going to rap or I'm going to snuff you. Oh, shit. And I was like, what? And he was like, nah, I'm just playing. I ain't going to snuff you, but you going to rap? So I kicked a little freestyle, and he was like, oh, nah, you could rap. Yeah, yeah. And then Cody, you know, him and I would talk about music, but he never heard me rap either. Uh-huh. So <laughs> fast forward like two years after I graduated, a year after I graduated high school, I was working on Fifth Avenue. I get off the train. I see Cody on the platform. He's like, yo, what's good? Yo, long time no see. I'm like, yo, how, how like, you know, how are you? And he was like, yo, I'm great. I'm working at Columbia. I'm inter- like intern A&R over there. I was like, yo, that's tight. That's dope, yeah. And he was like, do you still rap? And I was just like, you know, I be fucking with it. Yeah. And he was like, yo, pull up to my boy's crib. He lives right by you. Like, he got a studio in his crib. So I was like, all right, cool, you know. I'll take you. I'll, I'll, you know, exchange info, and I'll, I'll give. I'll hit up. I'll hit you up. I was working and going to college. That was my first year of college too that year, and I ended up hitting him up. And then he was like, "Yo, pull up. I'm gonna be at this kid Lansky's on Wednesday. Yeah, this is his address. And I put in the address. Fair, remember exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's right." up the block from me yeah so i'm like yo that's light i walk right over there and you ne- you had never met him before you never seen him around so this is the crazy shit about it i met him and nigel two weeks prior mm. to cody inviting me to his crib where at i was at my best friend chris's crib and there's a kid named dennis that i went to high school with cody went to high school you know we yeah. you know dennis he was a great artist dennis did graffiti dennis met Lansky and Nigel through another mutual friend. So they all had a graffiti crew. Mm-hmm. And 
I was at my boy Chris's crib. Dennis hits us up. Like, yo, I'm in your area bombing. What are y'all up to? And we're like, yo, we got Chris's crib. Pull up. So he pulls up, and he's with Lansky and uh-huh. Nigel. Nigel, yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's up? At this time, I knew who Nigel was based off of MySpace shit. Oh, okay, yeah. And I was like, yo, nice to meet you. I know your boy Sam. And Nigel was like, yo, dope, da-da-da. I was like, well, I'm about to dip. I got to walk home. They were like, we're walking that way to bomb. So I walk with them while they're doing graffiti. Yeah. And I really didn't say any words. I was just, you know, talking to Dennis more so. And two weeks later, I'm in Lansky's basement because of Cody. Small world Then I walk in, I'm like, wait, y'all niggas rap too? I thought y'all niggas did graffiti. And they all started laughing. And it was like, yeah, we rap too. I was like, oh, so y'all just hip hop, y'all, y'all just for real hip hop kids. Wait, do you guys break dance too? Word, right, y'all missing the, the <laughs> trifecta. <laughs> Who beatboxes here? So, I'm, I was dying, bro. I was like, yo, yeah. That's this, I was yeah, like, this, this is, is like tight. the most New York ass story ever. You're like, yeah. So I used to skate, but then I'm with these graffiti bombers, and then when they turned out to be rappers, I'm like, oh, so yo, New it York. was the craziest shit. I'm like, yo, but it was mad dudes in the basement. So it was Lansky, Nigel, Cody. And this kid named Loyal from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, so so what y'all be doing in here? They was like, yeah, we just be rapping. And then they were in the process of recording um, this song over, um, it's the Max B P rock draw. Oh, it's called We Roll. Mm-hmm. So they were rapping on that instrumental. And I'm just sitting there observing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like literally observing each and everybody's style. And I'm like, oh, shit, they got a crew. They're all solo artists, but they all had a little crew, and the crew was called Children of the Night. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is tight. But at that time, I'm still not even thinking of being a rapper. Like, Cody is, I'm like, I'm just here because Cody invited me. So I'm just I'm just a fly on the wall. And then um, I was like, yo, these dudes is ill. And then I left. Then Lansky hits me up like, yo, whenever you're free, you know, pull up to the crib. I was like, all right. Then I started going to his crib, you know, like maybe once a week or twice a week, you know, just to chill. It wasn't even on, oh, let's work on music shit. It was just on some like, yo, let's hang out type shit. And then he was like, yo, like, want to record? And I ended up recording something. I has, I forgot what I recorded. No, I recorded something at Cody's crib, and Cody played it for everybody, and everybody's like, yo, he's dope. He should be a part of Children of the Night. Yeah. And then I was just like, uh, I don't, I don't know, because at that time there was this other crew called Brown Bag All Stars. I remember them, and they all worked at Fat Beats. Yeah, the whole staff worked at Fat Beats. Yeah, yeah. My boy was in that crew, and he was like, "Yo, you got to get down with us." Wasn't Soulcon in that? Yep, yeah. Soulcon. Yeah, yeah, Soulcon. Uh, Concept. Uh, Audible Doctor. Uh, my man J Fifty Seven, and my man. Uh, Oh my God! Who else was in that shit? It was yeah. They had a they had a, a crew. I've known Soulcon since like message board days. Mm. Yeah, that's my dog. Yeah, Soulcon was the main one that was like, I like this kid. Yeah, his voice does not match his body. Nope, <laughs> it's crazy. Nope. When I first heard him rap yeah. and then I seen him, I was like, Yo, this dude is next yeah. level. Like yeah. he's next level. Right, right. But Soulcon was like, Yo, I like this kid. But then my boy that wanted me to get down with the group, he was like, Yo, you ill, but you got to get better. Like you gotta get nicer. You gotta get you gotta come harder than that. And I would be like, at that point in time, I was like, I am nice. But I don't feel like this 
click is for me, but I love y'all. But I don't feel like this this is for for the st- the style of rap that I do. I don't feel like this is for me. Like it doesn't fit. So I started to chill with Lansky in the morning, and I was just like, yeah, this is more more my speed. Like these dudes are like, you know, like they're into a lot of different shit that that I'm into. Right. So I got with Children of the Night. And then, like, we were just all solo artists that just would come together and do group songs, like posse cuts, but then we'll also push each other to do solo mixtapes and shit like that. Right. I remember I did a mixtape that I never put out with me rapping over Mad Knife Wonder Beats, Mad Madly Beats, and then, like, Cody was like, I want to, you know, focus more on my solo shit. I want to, you know, shy away from this Children of the Night stuff a bit. Then Loyal was like, you know... I don't know if I want to pursue rap as, like, my thing. Right. So he kind of faded away. And then me, Nigel, and Lansky were just like, well, it's just us three left. What are we going to do? And then niggas was just like, yo, let's just, you know, remain a trio. Mm-hmm. And let's just move like that. Mm-hmm. And the synergy, like, the, the synergy was there between the three of us. We would just pull up at Lansky's and literally knock out, like, three songs a night. Dope. Over a Mad Lib joint. But it was a joint that nobody had, like, nobody else had an instrumental to. Right. So, like, we were even dicing up, like, chopping up our own Mad Lib shit and right, making it right. instrumental or making it rappable. I got you. Yeah. It, it was, it was, yo, it was crazy. It was crazy. That must be late MySpace era? Yep. We caught, we caught the tail end of that shit. Yeah, the late MySpace era right before Facebook. We caught the tail end of that shit. Yeah. We literally caught the tail end of that shit. And thank God for that. I met Tyler... Tyler the Creator through MySpace. That's wild. That is wild. Like, I met him through MySpace. Him, Matt Martians, Casey Veggies. Oh, no shit. I met them through MySpace. And that's the thing. The way that I first heard about you, I think, is because somebody in the OF universe posted one of your videos on Twitter mad years ago, and I was like, oh, this kid's nice. So you met them on MySpace. Probably That's before OF even really blew up. Because they they started really blowing up late 2010, early 2011. Yeah. I first heard about them in late 2010 only because I had a lot of homies that worked on Fairfax, and they're like, you got to check these kids out. And I was like, holy shit, this is this is really something. Yeah, I caught one of them, like, right into 2010. Yeah. So, like, that spring. Yeah. Or whenever Tyler dropped, he dropped Odd Toddlers. Yeah. Um, He had it on his MySpace. And I don't know how I found Matt Martians, but on his top eight, yeah. It was everybody in our future. Right. So I started clicking each individual page and I was like, yo, this dude is making these beats that sound like the Neptune. Like right. what? Yeah. I lost my shit. And then I like literally added our toddlers from his player to my page. So when you came to my MySpace page, like my actual I had a music page and my actual page. Yeah. When you went to my page, you heard our toddlers and then it was on Hype Beast, and I was like, "Yo, this is the kid." And I literally played that song on repeat. Yeah, like I burnt the CD and put the song twelve times on the CD. Oh. <laughs> so the shit would go go to the next song, and it was the same song. That's funny, that's funny. Like on some real shit, instead of putting the shit on repeat. Yeah. Like I would do shit like that. That was my fucking jam, and I was like, "Yo, this kid got it." And I remember, I forgot what it was. I left a comment on his page, like, yo, this is tight. You remind me of Young Pharrell. Yeah. And he responded, uh, That's like the best This reminds me of a young Nas. You remind me of a young Nas. LOL. And I started laughing, like, yo, this kid is funny. Yeah, right. Like, he's funny as fuck. 
And then their first show in New York, I was on the guest list. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was, I think it was like me, most deaf, and like that, that's it. Wow. Or like maybe like three other people. Strong company. I've known them motherfuckers since the jump. Wow. They're my dogs. Yeah. I think their first official L.A. show was was at Low End Theory, which is the dude that owns this studio, uh, through it. Low, the airliner? Yeah, the airliner. I remember that was, I did one of those, I did the airliner and... 2010? Yeah. That was oh, my first. Not, wow. A Tribe Goes West tour. That was our first time coming to L.A. to yeah. perform. Wow. We booked our own little mini tour. We were already into booking our own shows at this time. Like, we already, we started booking our own shows in 09, like 08, 09, in, like, in the Lower East Side. So, like, Cody Beware was already like, all right, how can we do this? You have connections, Remy. I have connections. Let's let's do something. So I was like, all right, cool. It was these dudes called Broccoli City. They were they were doing some Earth Day event. And they were like, yo, if you if you and Children of the Night can get to LA, we're doing this Earth Day show with these dudes called Just Be Cool. And I was like, oh shit, I do know those dudes. I just met them through my homegirl Lily. Yeah. I met Dom Kennedy as well, the first time I came out here. And I met the dude, Fred and Gavin. They were just be cool. And they knew this dude from Harlem named Scottish Davis that I knew. So it was just like a family thing. And I was like, yo, I know those dudes. So he was like, if you can get to L.A., you got to slot on the show. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm with it. So I told everybody in Children of the Night, yo, save up. We're going to L.A. to do this show. Cody, I can get you on the bill, too. Cody was like, yo, I'm down. Let's go. So we booked another show with the homie Jansport J out yeah, in Riverside. Out shout out to my dog Jansport yeah. J. Hard work. Shout out to Poetic Force. Shout out to the whole West Coast. Oh, you go back. Yeah, yeah right. we go back, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you. We yeah. go back. Shout out to Doughboys Days. Like, yeah, we yeah. literally go back. Yeah. And um, we had a show out in Riverside. And uh, that was one of the shows on the stop. Then we had another show somewhere... By, I think it was like like by Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2010, there was a kid throwing shows it's in, a venue in, over in Hermosa, which is right next to yeah, Herm- Beach. yeah. That's yeah, it, that's where I'll it was. Bet, it was a kid named Jubin. I bet. Mm-hmm. Was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I thought I played one of his shows, man. I used to rap back in the day. It was him. He, yeah, Jubin, dog. Yeah, Yo. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yep. that was a rare fucking cut right there. Yep. Boy. So we did that show, and then the Just Be Cool was that show was like the. The show, show. Yeah. And Cody had a solo show at Cinespace. But that Just Be Cool show, Kendrick Lamar was on that bill. Wow. You and I was on that bill. Wow. Pac Div was on that bill. There was an era. Dom Kennedy. That was the... the, In L.A. That was the New West. Yeah, you and I, Pac Div, um, Dom Kennedy. That was like, yeah, that was... The, some real LA shit when they was scheme. Like, oh yeah, scheme. Who else? Yo, that uh, Tehran and Aomari. Those are my boys, man. Those oh, are my dogs yeah, too. Yeah, yeah like yeah. literally, I I got stories, man. Like those, like that whole West Coast. I was tapped into that era. I feel like it was me and this other dude named Scott Davis. We were the only New York underground rappers that was tapped in, yeah. really to the LA underground scene. Yeah. At that time, and then that following that fall. CMJ happened in New York in 2010. Yep. So I played, those... I played CMJ in 2010. Uh, I played like three shows out there. Dog yeah. CMJ yeah. that year. That whole lineup. 
that was at that Earth Day show was in New York for CMJ. And I was like, yo, like. I'll bet you I ran into you in CMJ 2010. You definitely had. You definitely did, bro. I was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where, like, yeah, everybody was everywhere. I was seeing all the same people at all them shows. Because we was underground, but we were making noise because we were doing a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, we're doing a lot for the community. Well, so how does Fool's Go catch on? That came way later. How much later? That came about, like, 2013. Yeah. But we were already doing a lot since, shit. like, 20, 2008, 2009, 2010. And then, like, even, like, me linking up with Our Future, like, with Damo. Then Cody doing his, like, Cody was making music that was getting synced on TV shows and shit. So, like, it was just kind of like, these dudes got a name, but it's like, what like what are they doing? Like, what are they really doing? Yeah. But the show shit was really where it was for us. Like, we literally were putting on our own shows in the city, drawing a crowd. Yeah. Like, we were drawing a crowd in the city with no agent, no nothing. Right. So, other artists in management were like, yo, can we get our artists on your bill? So we would throw, like, just random shows and have random artists on the bill. I remember one of our shows, we had Rocky on the bill. Oh, wow. We had Bronson on the bill. Yeah. This was, like, early, like, New York shit, like, yeah. downtown shit. And yeah, that's, the shows like, all that we right put around on. 2010, 2011 mm-hmm. when they start popping off. And, and then, yeah, I noticed, like, just in your catalog, you know, that whole, like— cool guy in New York scene with, with like, Wiki, Locutus. Uh, like, you've known them forever, it seems like. Dog, because that whole shit happened. Like I said, yeah. like, I'm going to keep it a buck. There was different factions. Yeah. It was a lot of shit going on, but it was also, that. it was, like, lunch. Yeah. Different cliques in the cafeteria. That's you. literally how it was. Yeah. Like, it was, like, that's racist. Yeah. That was the hipster underground. Yeah, right. So whoever was cool with them, that was, like, that pocket of shit. And then you had your downtown underground which was ninja sonic yeah children of the night cody which his name his name was prophet back then star city uh mem- this group called members only yeah yeah azalea banks yeah like rocky caught it got in bronson got in at the end too like it was like literally like a a, a small pocket of kids doing shit downtown and then once that shit started to merge it just became, all right, there's this whole new scene of music bubbling in New York right now. Yeah. That's for everybody. Right. There's something for everybody. And so you're one of the spoons stirring that pot, kind of. Yep. And when you say that it was like lunch in high school, were you the dude that could go sit at whatever table he wanted yep. to? Yeah. Yep. Because we performed with everybody in the city, or we've had somebody on our bill, or we've been on their bill. Yeah, that's dope. Like, we performed at Santos with Das Racist once, and that show was that show was nuts. I didn't know what to expect. What was that Santos scene like? I never got to partake, but I, it just seemed like such a cool era. Santos was tight. And yeah, then not it, it only was like it... The, the hipster version of the tunnel. It was That's literally what it was. Yeah, yeah. That's literally what it was. It was a more safer tunnel. Yeah, right. Because everybody was in there. Yeah. Like, every crew was in there. Every, like, you know, if a rapper was in New York, they would just randomly pop yeah, up Santos. in there. Yeah. I met my brother Damo there before he was of age. It was like fashion week. It was me... I, I snuck down. I didn't really sneak him in. I just called my homie who was the owner. Like, yo, my man's with me. He's not 21 yet. Right. Need you to get him in. Like, and he yeah. was like, yeah, I got you. Despot. Yeah, Despot's I've known, I've known Despot too. since I was like five years old, six years old. 
How? He lives across the street from me. Get the fuck so out. So his older brother and my older cousin, who used to get locked up yeah. on the weekend, yeah. Despot's older brother was in my cousin's crew. He get was the he was the, the token white boy in the crew. Yeah. And Despot was the younger brother that they used to pick on, but I'm younger than Despot. Yeah. So I was like, leave him alone. And they was like, they used to mush me like, get the hell out of here. He lived that close to you? Yo. Right. Yo, right. What a... That- so you ever seen his ring? Nah. So he has a ring that's a cast of his ho- of the building that he grew up in. Yeah. Behind the building, there's a pool. Behind the pool is my building. That's some real outlier shit for, for you guys to grow up next to each Yo, other. Yo, Mayhem I mean, Loren? What's that? I've known Mayhem Loren since I was six years old, too. Get out. That's wild. What a small world, man. It's always amazing to me when, like, um, pockets of talent come from that close, like, blocks away from each other, f- street away from each other. You know what I'm saying? Aquafina? Like, yeah. She was in my breakdance crew when I was in sixth grade. Get we was out. in drama together from sixth through eighth grade. How? This is so crazy. Because <laughs> Despot's low-key, like, one of the one of the hands that moves New York, it seems so like. He, he's a, a legend Yeah, that not many people know about, but if you know, you know. Right. And it's funny because he's legends for different reasons, too, because there's a bunch of underground white rap nerds that are still waiting him to, for him to put out a Def Jux album, you feel me, Yo. like, from, from fucking 2007 or some shit. 2000, 2001. Three, yeah, 2001. What am I talking about? Uh, what, the year that I moved to California, he was featured on the Def Jux compilation record. I remember that shit. I remember I was on my way to school, sixth grade. Yeah. I was walking up 108 Street, which is like the block I was walking up to school, and I saw Despot's older brother, Jacob, yeah. on the corner, sketching. And I'm like, Jacob, what's up? He's like, yo, shit, Remy, what's good? Long time no see. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm drawing my album cover for my brother. Yeah. I was like, wait, your brother raps? He was like, yeah. I was like, yo, that's ill. So he was basically drawing a sketch of like the whole view of the strip from the block up yeah and i was like yo that's tight but i never heard anything from his brother little did i know he was talking about Despot being signed to def jokes yeah and he was sketching a possible album cover for the lost that. album that and i was like yo that's doing. crazy yeah, yeah wow that's crazy fast forward i i know l yeah like i'm like yeah i know lynn i'm like yo this is like this is crazy like how the world works you know what i mean yeah right Man, that's cool. Um, so like you said, around 2013, Fool's Gold catches on to the crew, and you guys... They were watching... Well, the city at that time, like, we had this new New York thing going on. It was Flapper Zombies, yep. Tan Boys with Bodega Bims yep. in them, uh, Underachievers, yep. Pro Era, yep. uh, ASAP was, you know... Yeah, all that. And then weaving, dabbing, in and out, and then World's Fair, and... Everybody was paying attention. So no major labels were trying to make a jump yet, but Fool's Goal was like literally watching. A-Track right. was watching. Because it's almost like during that era of New York, you had all these like super cool ass groups that cool kids across the country wanted to listen to, but none of them would have ever been on the radio. Uh, no major labels were tapping in yet. Mm-hmm. A-Side were the only ones that had a major deal yet at that time. X Squire got signed too to oh, Universal. Yeah, yeah. He's done the show. Shout out to X Squire. And X-Y. then um, shout out dude. to my brother. I think Bronson had signed with Vice. Yeah. We had a, a label meeting with Epic. And then uh, they ended up signing GS9. Mm. And then Fools Go hollered. And at that time, I had a relationship with OF. And, you know, shout outs to Christian Clancy. 
he was telling me, you know, you guys are dope. I really love what you guys are doing. He was giving me, you know, a lot of like tools and just guidance to and advice mm-hmm. to, you know, to maneuver with. And uh he was like, yo, just stay indie. Like they're gonna they're gonna come to y'all. Just stay indie. And Fusco pulled up. They hollered at Nigel. Nigel was like, hey, they wanna sign us for, you know, one off. We had a vote about it. We ended up signing with them for a one off. We put out we had bastards at a party somewhat done already. Cause we were like, we need to do a project mm-hmm. with a sound, like with our sound. We need to create a sound and put out a project. Mm-hmm. So Bastards of the Party, we were already working on that. And then once we signed with Fool's Gold, we were like, all right, let's get this project done. We got it done. They announced that they signed us. We put the project out through them. After we did that, People started asking about the Remy Banks solo. Like, yo, when's the solo coming? And I'm just like, you know, not anytime soon. Like, I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. And then Yams, God bless his soul, Yams was like, Rem, you know, you got to have a solo. The solo is, is up next. Like, you know, people want that Remy shit. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So then the pressure started coming coming along because mad other people started asking, all right, the World's Fair shit is out. It's hot. You're the face of the collective. You have to come out with your shit now. Yeah. So I kind of was like, all right, this is it. I got to step up to the plate. So I started working on a, um, a solo project. And at that same time, I was putting out, I was also just doing features with people. Because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had a lot of con- relationships yeah, with clearly, different artists. Yeah, clearly, from clearly. West Coast to the South yeah. to everywhere. To London. I was going to London as well. I was traveling. I was going to London in 2011. Wow. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm bridging the gap. How'd you become such a people person? Dog, it's just who I am. I don't know what it is. You get it from mom or dad? Who Who is it from? Well, my dad passed before I was born, so I never got to meet him. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. But a lot of people say that I'm literally him. Yeah. Like, he'll walk in the room, and the energy just shifts to, like, yo, what's good? And he showed love to everybody. He was like a people person. Yeah, so it's just in the blood. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. But um, I started just doing features, features with people. Shit. Like yeah. I did just I did a song with Damo called "More Clouds," uh-huh. and uh, that song really like kind of got my name buzzing on the solo tip. Yeah. And then I did uh, I did the song with uh Bams, and then we shot the video for that, and the video was dope. And Tyler retweeted it and was like, yo, this is dope. And then that shit, yo, I got like maybe like 2,000 followers in a day just just because he fucking retweeted that shit. And I was like, yo, this is, all right, I guess this is the beginning of the the solo shit. Yeah. I started working on Hire, which is my, you know, debut. I think it was like once I got toward the ending of of doing the project, I dropped a single called Seventh Heaven Interlude. That's a, that was produced by King Cruel and the homie Mac. And uh I sent it to Damo. Damo was on tour with Mac and Earl. Yeah. And a few others at the time. And Damo played it. Earl heard it and was like, yo, this is fire. Who is this? Yeah. Damo was like, yo, this is Remy. Yeah. They kept running it back, running it back, running it back. What year is that? This is 
2014, the ending of 2014. And it's over a King Cruel sample, you said? Or King Cruel? Nah, he, yeah. He produced it? I think that's the one that Seven, I heard. It's from. called Seventh Heaven Interlude. I feel like that's the one that I heard. Because uh, I just remember that getting tweeted by a lot of people that I was following at the time. And it was, in, it was like a first-person video. And so they, they were just running it back on tour on repeat? Playing it. Yeah. And then even... Uh, shout out to Malcolm. Yeah. Rest in peace, Rest in brother. Peace. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm was like, yo, yo, like, your shit is tight. Like, he hit me on Twitter, like, yo, Damo been playing this joint. Like, this shit is tight. And then, uh, I guess Tebe was getting ready. He was getting ready to, uh, put out a new album. They was getting the tour and shit ready. And his agent reached out to my agent, like, hey, Tebe requested, you know, Remy to go on tour yeah. with him and Vince. Oh, that's sick. And I was like, what? Then my agent hit me and was like, yo, do you want to do this? I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, both of those are the homies. Like, hell yeah. Like, I, it couldn't get no better than this. Like, being on tour with two dudes that are, like, dope as fuck that you know, like, it, uh, it ain't getting no better than that. So I was like, yo, we out. So I hit up Black Noise. Was our producer. Yeah. Like, yo, Black, we out. He just put out a great record. Great record. Amazing. Great record. Yeah. I was like, yo, we out. We going on tour. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, dog, we out. Oh, so Black Noise uh, DJs for you on tour back then? Dog, he's yeah. World's Fair. Yeah. He created our sound with us. I didn't he's know He's been that. producing for us since 20, 2011. Wow. No shit. So it was me, Black, Tebe, Stoney. And then the fucking awesome team. That was our tour bus. Yeah. It was lit. It was so dope. We had the skate team and then us. That's right. In the back of the bus with, with the music shit. You still skate now? Yeah. Yeah. Here and there or, or religious? Nah, here still? and there. Here and there. Like, the, actually, the last time I was out here, I just set up a new complete at yeah. the FA store. Me and Nock had a whole skate day. Yeah. I saw that on the Instagram story. Yeah, rest in peace, Vincent Nava. That was I met him that day. And then uh, he passed away a few, like maybe like a week later. Right, right. Rest in peace, dog. He was yeah. a very cool kid, and he was he's extremely talented. I was blown away. Like watching him skate that day, I was blown away. Wow. Like yo, this is crazy. Like L.A. skate culture. That that day showed me the difference of L.A. skate culture and New York skate culture. That day was beautiful. Yeah. Like breaking into that school, like climbing over that gate, skating that smooth flat ground. I was like, yo, this is amazing. That's dope. That's very dope. So what have you? What are you up to now? After that Earl run, well, while I was on that run, I dropped higher yeah. my project. Yeah. It did its thing. Got you know more shows after that. Um, did my first New York headline show, and then I kind of was just like, actually, at the end of that tour, we watched that Stone's Throw vinyl. Yeah, and Tebe was like, "Yo, let's get a crib when we get back after tours. Then let's get a crib <clears throat> and let's just work on music at the crib." You All work right. on your shit, I yeah. work on my shit. It's yeah. just work. So I got back to New York. Black came with me. I did a show for New Era. Yeah. And then we flew to L.A. Was in this crib in the hills for like a month. What? Me, Tebe, Black Noise, Budgie came through. He came up from time to time. Yeah. Stoney came up from time to time. Knowledge was in the crib too. And we just literally had a dope little... Thing going, it was beats going, and that I'm just like, amazing. yo, I just was rapping, yeah. And that was, I recorded most of Champ Hoodie One, yeah, in that house, yeah. And then, uh, I went on tour with Crepton Conan, so I went to London that November of 2015, 
did a UK run with Crepton Conan. Then I came back home and was just like, I just was like, all right, let me just relax. And then I get a call from Juice from Flapper Zombies like, yo, we're going on tour. Us, 12, we want you to, you know, yeah. come on the road with us. And I was like, oh, I can't turn this down. Like, these are my brothers, too. Like, yeah. I can't miss out on this opportunity to tour with my bros. Right. And they're doing, like, the same venues that I just did with Earl. Yeah. And some uh, venues were different. Like, some states that I didn't do with him. Right. I was doing with Zombies. So I was like, yo, I'm not missing out on this. So I ended up doing that run. So I didn't put out any music all of 2016 because of that. And then 2017 is when I dropped Champ Hoodie 1, and then I dropped Champ Hoodie 2, 2018, and then I dropped Did This in Detroit, Detroit. 2019. Yeah. Because I went out to Detroit in March of shout 2019. Out, shout out to Loopers. Shout out man. to my man Z. See, a lot, yo, Z's my, that's my bro right there, that too. Was, I was going to say, like, you uh, seem to perpetually tap into whatever is going on. Like, you just are a dude who, like, recognizes... Talent. Talent. That's really what it is. I hear talent, and it's like, yo, I got to work with this artist. Right. You know, like, but it's one if thing it works, to, it it's works. It's one thing for, to recognize talent, but it's also another for talent to recognize you and want to work with you as well. Facts. You know Facts. what I mean? Like, You're right. Because it's easy for me to recognize people's talent, but ain't nobody being like, hey, come hop on this track with me. You know right. what I mean? So uh, it's a whole different animal, man, and you're doing it. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of man. course. But yeah, I was out in Detroit. At the Bruiser crib, and me and Black was just going in. He produced that whole shit, and then Z, me and Z hopped on one of the joints with me, and then uh, me and Wiki had that and more joint already, cause I had got that beat from Black with the first time I went to Detroit, and then I came back with that beat for and more. I did that with Wiki, and then I was just threw that on the project, cause that didn't have a home. Yeah, and that was the this in Detroit. And yeah, I'm about to drop some new shit. You you got new shit coming? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! It's a it's I'm sitting a, on some shit, man. COVID started off slowing a lot of people down, but I feel like there's a big creative wave hitting a lot of people right now, man. There's a lot of work going on. It seems like it is. Yeah, because it's like people got restless. Yep. People got bored. Yep. People got lazy, mm-hmm. and it was just like everybody's snapping out of it and waking up at the same yeah, time. It was like, yo, was, what am I doing? Yeah. But for me, it was like, all right. I'm already, I like to be in the house already. If I'm not in the crib, I'm in the studio. If I'm not in the studio, I'm in the crib. Like, I'm not in the, I'm not outside wasting money, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, So uh, when we got, you know, shut down, I was like, all right, I could do this. This is light. Like, this is light work. I've been doing this. But I spent a lot more time in the studio because the studio space is, is my studio space. Me and my engineer own it. So... I was just in there bumping beats, just writing a lot. And then I was just like, all right, I think I got a project here, an album here. And then I was just like, wait, you know what? I shouldn't drop a, a album if I can't tour it. Yeah. So I should figure something else out to give the people. I started piecing some of those songs that I had going toward the studio album. Yeah. I put them in a playlist. Then I started adding other beats, like instrumentals that I had from other producers. And I was like, yo, I think I can make a project out of this. And then I just started making mad news, like joints. Yeah. And I got this new project. 
When's that coming? Like really soon. That's amazing. Are you gonna perform something off that tonight? Yep. All right. Yep. Well, I think that we did it. I know that we we, we ran long, but I I, I uh, you're somebody that I could talk to. Like I said, for all night. I I love uh, reminiscing on stories yeah, and hearing how different scenes interweave. You know what I'm saying? Because I would bet you anything, we've probably been in the same room as each other multiple Facts. times in our life and just didn't realize it. Type Facts. shit, you know. But yeah, man. That's a dope story, and you seem like a, go- a good dude, and uh, I'm glad Bless everything's too, working brother. out for you, bro. Thank you. And I look forward to watching you perform tonight. So before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you online. They can find me at, at Remy Banks, R-E-M-Y-B-A-N-K-S, or at The World's Fair. There it is. There it is. Look it up on Spotify or any DSP. You'll find all of Remy those Banks he just mentioned. And, uh, yeah, man, that was a good convo. I appreciate it, bro. My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat across all platforms, especially go hit that Instagram, youtube.com slash Kinda Neat, where you're going to see Remy Banks perform. What are you going to play tonight? The title track off of my joint. The title track. So the, the title of the new joint will be revealed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kindaneat.net. And with that said, that's my man Remy. My name yo, is Lee. Yo. And this was Kinda Neat. Queens. Queens.